Hello, everybody. This is Dr. Hamid Elamir. I am the host of podcast with Dr. E. At this podcast, I sit with the world's experts in health, education, and community involvement and public health to talk about current health challenges and ask them to share their experience, knowledge, and insight with all nations across the world so that we can learn from experts across the globe. Today, I have an amazing guest with us on the show. She is a great pediatrician and functional health expert. Dr. Hokehe Efiung is with us today. Welcome, Dr. Hokehe. Thank you so much, Dr. Hamid. Great, it's a pleasure to be here. It's a pleasure to have you on the show. Dr. Hokehe Efiung, board certified pediatrician, certified brain health, ADHD consultant, help, helps parents of children diagnosed with ADHD who are frustrated and worried about their child's behavior and are ready to partner with their child to get to the root cause of the behaviors, to heal and flourish in mind and body using brain health strategies and functional medicine. She is the CEO of ADHD Practical Solutions with a mission to help 1 million children with ADHD accomplish their big dreams she is also the CEO of Kids of Hope, a 501c3 organization dedicated to inspiring communities to share love, hope, and dignity with children in the foster care system. After being injured in two car accidents, labeled as average, and, all, and told it was impossible for her to fulfill her dream of becoming a pediatrician, she uses her experience with developing resilience and thriving in the face of obstacles to help children diagnosed with ADHD and children in foster care see themselves as who they are, as who they truly are, fiercely courageous and capable of fulfilling their dreams. She has spoken to the United Nations Youth Program, Ghana, on the effects of adverse childhood experiences and has been on multiple podcasts and summits such as the Healthy, Fit and Uplifted webinar as keynote speaker. Dr. Doctors Anbound, the on-air advocate, motherhood, millennia and motherhood. She has also hosted a summit for foster parents she is on the board of directors for the American Academy of Pediatrics, Oklahoma chapter. Again, it's a pleasure to have you on the show, Dr. Um, Hokehe. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Well, Dr. Hokehe, as you are, you know, involved in not only medicine, but functional medicine, but also you're looking for the root causes of uh, diseases and, you know, having your own nonprofit, this discussion is going to be very interesting and uh, and very useful for um, our audience. And I'm sure that this would inspire a lot of people, especially the healthcare practitioners, to think outside of the box and, and look for ways to help their patients, not only their patients, but also their families, their communities, um, the patients' communities, and, and um, you know, the world. Because we are made to impact millions of people, not only just the private practice or the hospital. And I, I believe you agree with that. 
Yes, absolutely. Yes, I, I mean, I didn't used to, but over time I have realized that yes, our purpose and our mission is to reach each child and not just the child, but the families at large. So a lot of my practice now is spent talking to the parents because I realize if I can get to the parents and I can, the child will be taken care of and then it keeps spreading and sp and ripple effects is Absolutely. is unknown, but yeah, that's what yeah. amazing. So. Yeah, exactly. So I, um, I'm, I'm glad we are on the same page. And with that, um, let me start this personal question. Why do you do what you do? And perhaps you can explain more about your passion and your why. Right. So like Simon Sinek says, begin with your why, right? Because right. that's what drives <laughs> everything you do. So I, I, my bio alluded to the car accidents I experienced and what I was told by the neuropsychologist telling me I couldn't be, I couldn't become a pediatrician, even though that's what I've wanted to be since I was five years old. And so I'm not saying that the road ahead was easy, but with consistency and believing in my dream, I made it. I mean, right. I had so many obstacles along the way, but I just kept pushing through. And so I discovered that there was actually nothing I couldn't do if I put my mind to it. And, and over the last year and a half, I, I came in contact with more children with, that are in the foster care system and more children who have ADHD. And I started to learn about adverse childhood experiences, which is something that there was a study done in the 90s, but it's only recently that that information has started to come mainstream where we're learning more about how actual things like living in a home with a parent who has been on drugs and experiencing the death of a loved one and parents going to jail, all of that makes physical changes in the, in the child's brain. And then you, you start showing, they start exhibiting behaviors that could be, that could potentially mimic the symptoms of ADHD or hyperactivity and inattention. And so when I learned that, a light bulb went off in my head, like, wait, hold on. And all of this time we have been trained to just, okay, your child is hyperactive, not focused in school. Here, here's a Vanderbilt, fill it out. Let's talk about stimulants. And we're not, we have, a, we don't really look at what's really going on with the child or the parents and the parents, not or, and the parents and the environment at home that could be doing this. And so when I learned about that, my, my whole practice changed and I was I can no longer go back to just say, hey, hi, here's the Vanderbilt on your meds. Now I, I, I will spend time talking about the different things going on because there's so many and, and that's what pushes me every day. And with the foster care piece, um, I came across foster kids that, I mean, we're taking from their homes little to nothing. And I, I know that that creates trauma for the child. And then they start exhibiting behaviors like on not being focused inattentiveness and so it's like the whole thing ties together and I was like wow I there's so many kids millions of kids whose lives could be changed if we just addressed what's really going on with them and so that's my why and that's what pushes me because I understand what it's like to be labeled and told you can't do something which children with ADHD that label already tells them um, your behavior is I mean you can't act right you're not doing the right thing um, foster children that label says oh my goodness you belong you're a ward of the state you can't reach your highest potential and so it's so limiting and so that's what drives me 
knowing that if children and the parents are aware that there's more to your child than just this label we slap on them, right. then every, they are limitless, really. So, yeah. Well, that's a very uh, powerful uh, message there. And, and your why, of course, is very, um, you know, your passion, I can see passion driven and your um, dedication and, and that goal to look for the underlying cause. That's very important. And, um, you know, being a pediatrician myself, I did that, you know, study and then I, it would be repeated because I almost mentioned this in every show that I have with guests um, on the show with other physicians, because if you know your why, then then the road is clear. So you would go wholeheart wholeheartedly and with passion and you will have an impact on millions of people. And my why is pretty much similar to yours and coming from the same background in pediatrics. Like when I was in medical school, so I always wanted to help people. And for that, I said, maybe I should just become a physician and you becoming a physician, a general practitioner, you realize that no, you really need to be a little more focused and specialized in something so that you can be um, more helpful. So I did uh, residency in pediatrics and coming from a pediatric residency under uh, served communities there, unfortunately, a lot of these kids who were coming to that hospital, same thing, they were suffering from really easily preventable diseases such as diarrhea or bronchitis. And a lot of them, unfortunately, by the time they got to the hospital were in critical conditions, irreversible shock and you know all uh, other uh, complications of just a diarrhea and dehydration and heart failure, renal failure and all that. So I was looking for the underlying causes too, for the root causes to find solutions so that people shouldn't get sick in the first place. Then I pursued my master's in public health and focus on community health education. And I think all of us uh, as health practitioners, regardless of the specialty, have another mission and, and uh, responsibility, not only to write prescriptions, but also to educate people. I mean, at least raise awareness. Um, mm -hmm. The word educate itself is a very strong word. I, I don't use it more often because people know it, they just need reminders. Um, okay. and, and we need to be more cautious of, of raising awareness about that. Thank you so much for sharing your why. Um, so please, uh, I also mentioned in your bio that um, you also use, you know, brain, uh, you use some strategies to about brain health. Could you please elaborate a little more about uh, brain health strategies that you use for okay. uh, patients? Okay, yes. So I discovered because I was, I was injured, I gravitated, once I, I saw this course uh, this year about um, brain health um, coaching for clinicians. And so I was like, oh, I gotta do that. <laughs> because of course I've had the experience with the traumatic brain injury. So I, going through that, I discovered that a lot of us forget about the physical health of our brains. We talk about mindset, being positive, we say eat right, we say sleep, but we don't really tie it to why we need to do that or how it affects the physical health of our brain, which is our major driver. And so I discovered, oh my goodness, when I talk to my patients now and the parents, I teach them from that direction saying, hey, what drives you? 
okay, it's your brain. So do you know you need to fall in love with your brain? And if you're going to put something in your mouth, you have to ask yourself, does your brain, would your brain like that or not? And then, then their eyes just get wide and it's like, oh, wait, yeah, I actually am in control of taking care of my own brain. And that's empowering for kids because they want to be in control of something because they feel a lot of times that they are not powerful enough. So teaching them that, that um, falling in love with their brains means that they have to exercise because their brain needs the oxygen for it to keep working. That if they drink, they have to drink enough water because your brain is 80% water. So your brain needs water to really function well. That there are foods that eat that you need to eat to boost your brain um, power, like eating blueberries. Like I had lots of antioxidants and just like going through things like that. Um, decreasing the processed foods, increasing the fresh foods and the fresh vegetables and sleep and why your brain needs time to sleep because if your brain sleeps enough, then your brain will function better because that's how it works. And so just going at it from that angle of, hey, we need to get your physical brain working well and then you can manage the thoughts that come and then you can, you can focus better in class. And, and so that's, that's the way I teach it to my patients now. And it's, it's amazing the changes that are happening. So, yeah. Right. That, great, that's very interesting. Um, that you brought up the idea of when we think about brain and it's just you know the um keeping yourself happy or whatever um other you know more abstract things but not the physical part of it and that that was really an eye-opening to myself as well and that's i'm sure that it will it is eye-opening for a lot of your um you know audience and your clients and patients <clears throat> So what is the importance of uh, functional medicine in treating ADHD or in pediatrics in general? Well, with functional medicine, it's basically the looking at root causes of why, of what's causing the symptoms or in terms of ADHD, the behaviors. Right. So typically, like I've said before, we are just trained to look at, okay, this is a symptom. If your child is hyperactive. So mm -hmm. we have a medication for that. We don't look beyond that. So there are multiple causes of ADHD that have been found. So ADHD is primarily heritable, meaning genetics plays a big part. It's, uh, but your environment can affect, this, can affect the child in such a way that they will exhibit symptoms. Like for example, exposure to lead, exposure to mold. I mean, I had a 12 year old who came in with her mom and she said, oh, my daughter is hyperactive, let's uh, um, evaluate her for ADHD. And I said, okay, so I started asking questions. I asked, okay, what's going on in your home? Any mold in your home? And then mom just said, oh, by the way, every time an insect flies into our house, it falls dead and dies. I was like, uh, hold on, what did you say? She said, yeah. And that the dog just seems so lethargic and the dog just lays on its side, <laughs> I'm like, okay that doesn't sound right i think you need to check your home so she's of course couldn't move out of her home right then because i was like oh please can you just move out right now but right. what she did was send her child to go stay with somebody else and over the next week she came back to see me and her child's symptoms of hyperactivity were gone mm. just because she was out of that home environment 
And can you imagine if I had just not even asked those questions, I would have stopped this child with some stimulants that will not treat anything, will not help her because the problem is her home. Right. So it's, it's a matter of, it's a whole perspective change. Like there's so much we can do with just asking more questions and knowing what to ask, first of all. And the other causes of ADHD can be nutritional deficiencies. I mean, I've seen children who are deficient in magnesium and I put them on magnesium and their symptoms decrease and now they're more verbal. I have a girl, a patient with autism, that's the case. She wasn't verbal. And I said, okay, mom, add some magnesium to her diet and take her off dairy because that could be inflaming her tummy. And now she's no longer constipated and she called her mom mama for the first time the other day. So it's amazing how just little things like that, just understanding that there are so many other causes and just looking for them that you can, you don't have to directly go to medication first. There's changes that can, that, that you can make in the child and the parents' lives. So <laughs> I could go on and on, but <laughs> I stop there. Yeah, well, there's, it's very interesting. Um, that personally myself, I didn't know much, honestly, about functional medicine until recently. And, um, you know, just going to med school and doing that conventional medical school studies and textbooks, and then, you know, just thinking about that and writing prescriptions and, you know, seeing things through um, that, that um, lens, yeah. lens is, is different when you see things that are, you know, in general, it's um, what we eat is affecting our health. What we think about, you know, things around us really affects our uh, our health, our interaction and actions that we take on a daily basis. Every part of it is is affecting our health, and that's why I always. Um, you know, try to bring um, people from all walks of health around the same table to have that upstream and comprehensive, you know, um, approach to health, because as you just brought up the ideas of, of, you know, your experience with your patients and their kids with the ADHD, it's, it's, it's really uh, amazing and how it can change people's behavior, people's health. And of course, um, changing behavior is one of the challenging, probably the most challenging um, task and to, to do that. And especially when it comes to kids and, you know, younger um, children, it's difficult because uh, you, you have to convince them, you have to convince your parents, you have to make sure that, you know, um, you approach in a way that is more, not something that is threatening for them or, or something that is um, limiting their, their um, activities with their own, you know, circle of friends, but uh, making sure that it's in a way that is helpful and useful and practical. And thank you for sharing that. Um, definitely very, um, it's very, uh, instructive for for I think not only for health practitioners but also for parents who are listening to this show um, so with that let me ask you a question about your um, 501c3 and that's kids of hope 
Um, please tell us more about that. What, how did you start this? Uh, what was the motivation behind it? I know pretty much like uh, we, we kind of indirectly heard about it, but uh, please tell us about more about this organization. Okay, okay so um, I started Kids of Hope last year, October 2019, after a few months of I mean, I had done some extra training in child abuse because I'm a rural-based pediatrician. Mm -hmm. And so I became more aware of the children in foster care. Not that I didn't know they were there, but it was just brought to my attention more. So I started talking to the foster parents and just, just talking with them more about their experiences and how the children are doing and all of that. And I kept hearing over and over that the children would come to their homes with really literally nothing but the clothes on their back. And if you know a child, which we're both pediatricians, mine is one of the first words the child says. Right. So if you stripped away not only their entire world, which is their parents or whoever they're living with, and then you, none of their stuff comes with them. I mean, that's a whole nother layer of trauma for any child. So I, I kept hearing that over and over and I thought, okay, I can do something about it. But I was like, I'm so busy, what, what can I possibly? I don't know how to run a nonprofit or do any, so I didn't do anything anyways. And until I had this one patient, he was four years old. He had been in over 10 foster homes in less than six months, if you can believe that. Oh. So he came into my office, bouncing off the walls and was, um, and the, the workers that brought him said, we're here for you to diagnose him with ADHD and he needs some medication. So. I was like, okay, let's talk about this. So um, the child kept coming up to me and saying, please hug me. He asked me at least 15 times in the 15 minutes I was there to please hug him. And I said, well, this doesn't sound like ADHD. This is a four-year-old kid. Can we find him a home, a loving home where somebody would just love this child, please? Right. And they kind of thought what was wrong. They thought I was weird. like why in the world are you not giving this kid medication? I'm like, let's, let's try that first before we give a four-year-old stimulants, please. Okay. And so we tried that and they found him a home. And the next time I saw him in a couple of months, he came in with sitting on the laps of his uh, foster dad, who's an amazing parent. And he was calling him Papa and he only asked me to hug him once. And I was like, see, oh my goodness, where's the jumping off around the room gone? Like, <laughs> what happened? So that was another thing that's, that told me trauma and I mean, the symptoms of trauma, traumatic experiences for kids and symptoms of hyperactivity and inattention and they are connected. That, that was like classic, oh my goodness, like symptoms gone because now he's in a stable home and he's being loved. Mm -hmm. So that pushed me and I was like, okay, I got to do this thing that's been in my heart. So I just started, I put bags together. The way I started was putting bags together with all brand new items because I wanted the children to have a sense of dignity. So I put bags together with for babies, children and teenagers with um, comfort and essential items. So things like blankets, books, teddy bears, toys, age appropriate, things like that and giving them to either Department of Health Services, like the foster care agencies or like uh, Department of Health Services. And, and so they would hand the bags to the children when they got pulled out from their home. So at least they have something that's theirs and not just hand me down. So 
so I've done that over the last year and it's it's amazing we've 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 done it in several communities in Oklahoma where I'm based um but recently due to COVID and all of the supplies chains being limited and social distancing we are pivoting to start to just fulfill dreams or wishes that foster children have. So we're going to be partnering directly with foster care agencies to get the wishes or dreams that foster care children have or children in foster care have, and then we'll fulfill them. So that way, they, they, we want to keep, we want them to know that dreams do come true and it is possible. And the other thing we're going to be working on is education for teens in the foster care system that are aging out. So the statistics are pretty bad. Over 60% of them are aged out at age 18 from foster care. Don't go to college, become homeless or end up in jail because they've been bounced around so much, there's no stability. And so they don't learn the skills that they need to do well when they age out of the system. So I'm putting together education for to, to, to um, for that set subset of, of children, just things like how do you open a bank account? How do you budget? How do you apply for college? Because it's possible for you to go to college if that's your dream. And how do you get your first apartment? I mean, things like just basic life skills that they right. lack just to help them out. So that's what Kids of Hope is working on right now. Okay. That's a great mission and, and um, thank you for everything that you do uh, in thinking outside of the box and seeing health as a, as a challenge, not only, you know, just that is limited to clinical settings, but also outside of clinical settings, what happens in people's lives, especially in kids and children's lives that affects their health directly or indirectly. <clears throat> and, um, that's very um, helpful for the communities, especially that on based on an um, earlier conversation that once I uh, remember you and I had the lack of uh, pediatricians or healthcare practitioners in general in in areas like Oklahoma and other places um, is is something that um, strike me, and I think it's it's something that we need to pay more attention to uh, when it comes to communities with underserved, uh, who are underserved and with low resource and, and lack of um, practitioners. Right. Um, each one of us, as I mentioned earlier, that we are made to impact millions of people, not just the private practice or the hospital we work with. But um, for, with that, I guess you are on that mission. And as also, I, I, I read on your bio that you want to impact millions, of, uh, at least a million people, <clears throat> I would say millions of people. Yes, and, uh, yes. and for that to happen, it's it's that uh, you know little steps that you that you we take uh, one at a time, and right. especially with underserved communities and and uh, where there are not enough physicians and pediatricians, what you are doing is that you raise awareness, you educate people, and you empower the communities. So that they go, they, they don't get sick in the first place. They get, you know, they know more about ADHD, the root causes, and and that's a way of preventing that. So that is actually definitely uh, impacting thousands and millions of people. 
and I, I really appreciate your work and so glad that I had you on the show today. Um, and yeah, please tell us a little more about uh, how people can find you and to know more about your work and your, uh, your uh, practice and expertise. Okay, so for Kids of Hope, we're at kidsofhope.org. That's K-I-T-S of hope, one word, .org. And for the ADHD practice, it's at ADHDpracticalsolutions.com. And that's all one word. And um, for any parents who would like to talk to me about their children, I'll offer a free clarity call with them just so we can talk about how we can help your child and you <laughs> get better. So, yes. Thank you so much, Dr. Hokuhe, today for the show and for all the amazing job and work that you're doing in your community in Oklahoma, as well as around the world. It's been a pleasure to talk with you today. Yes, same here. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you. And their audience for more shows and health challenges to be discussed with experts from across the United States, across the world, please stay tuned with Dr. E podcast. Thank you all and have a great day.